Welcome to Her Story, the history of Southeast Asia told from her perspective. We'll discover historical figures, matriarchal societies, and contemporary female icons, and maybe learn about ourselves along the way. I'm Agus Ramirez. In this episode, we're going to talk about Aceh's Laksamana Kamanaayati, the first female admiral in the world, Hulelainang Bane, an all-women army of widows. That was an excerpt from the song Malayati by the Indonesian band Kabitbit, who have graciously allowed us to play their song on the podcast. When I first learned about Kamalahayati, I was fascinated by the idea that a female admiral once led a fearsome all-women army, of widows no less. Then I had to remind myself that this wasn't exactly something to be excited about, because an army of widows can only mean one thing. A prolonged period of warfare that has seen the death of practically all the men, leaving the women to fight and rebuild after. So why did this happen? And who was the woman in charge of this? Kamala Ayati was born around 1570 in the Sultanate of Aceh Darussalam. She is also known to Indonesians as Malahayati. That's the title of the song I played earlier. As with most of the female historical icons we have featured so far, Kamalayati comes from a powerful family. Her great-grandfather, Sultan Ibrahim Muhayat Shah, founded the Sultanate of Aceh Darussalam and reigned from 1513 to 1530. This status afforded her certain opportunities that were certainly not available to other women at the time. Since she was a child, Kamalayati showed little interest in domestic chores. She developed her love of the sea and naval knowledge from her father, Mahmoud Shah, who was a respected admiral. Her father and grandfather were both respected military officers and well-known in her time. Komalayati's mother wanted her to get married at the age of 15, but she refused. Imagine what kind of upbringing she had to have to be able to say this to her mother. I was not able to find more information about this period in her life, but we do know that she stayed in school. After graduating from Pesantren, an Islamic school, she continued her studies at the Acher Royal Military Academy, known as Mahad Baitul Maktis. While there, she met the man who would later become her husband, Navy Cadet Zainal Abidin. But let's zoom out for a moment and look at what was happening in Aceh at the time. For much of the 16th century, Aceh had two choices of who to trade with, the Muslim network or the Portuguese. In the Muslim world, their relationship with Turkey was probably the most important. The diplomatic and commercial link between Aceh and Turkey was broken when the Dutch and English companies reoriented the spice and pepper trade to the sea route around Africa. But popular legends say that they kept their relationship with the Caliphate in Istanbul. The Turkish flag was adopted for use in Aceh's vessels. There were some enormous Turkish cannons, 
the largest of which was named Lada Sichupac, or a single measure of pepper. This refers to a legend that the single measure of pepper was all that was left of several shiploads of pepper sent to Istanbul to persuade the caliph to extend military support to Aceh. That probably gives you an idea of how close this relationship was. But things started to change at the turn of the 17th century. In the period from 1598 to 1604, the Dutch, English, and French all wanted a source of pepper and spices free of Portuguese influence. So they ensured that the first ships into the Indian Ocean would call at Aceh. Aceh emerged as a major port of the Bay of Bengal. It was a highly cosmopolitan area with traders from the Red Sea and Pegu or Lower Burma and ambassadors from Siam as well as the European courts living there. So now we need to talk about the Dehautmans. They play a pretty important role here. Cornelis and Friedrich de Houtman were brothers who were sent to Lisbon in 1592 as commercial representatives of nine Dutch merchants. They were imprisoned by the Portuguese for attempting to steal secret charts of East Indian sailing routes. They were released in 1595 and they returned to Amsterdam. Cornelis was appointed commander of four merchant ships of the Ver Company. It was a syndicate founded by the nine merchants to establish trade with the East Indies. And so off they went. The brothers set sail with the fleet on April 2, 1595. They navigated the voyage with the aid of sailing directions written by the Dutch explorer Jan Huygen van den Schoten. After reaching the East Indies in 1596, Cornelis established trade relations with the rulers of Java, Sumatra, and Bali, all now part of Indonesia. The brothers returned to Amsterdam with a cargo of spices in 1596. In 1599, Cornelis de Houtman arrived at the port of Aceh. The Sultan had initially welcomed them with open arms, hoping to establish a good relationship with the Dutch. And then de Houtman apparently did something to insult him. I have not been able to find a source on what kind of insult this was. Did he try to steal a map again? Did he try to shortchange the Sultan in a shipment? Who knows? But de Houtman, who had already clashed with the Banten Sultanate in northwest Java before his arrival in Aceh, decided to attack. He probably thought he had the upper hand. Now, back to Kumala Hayati. When we last saw her, she had just met the love of her life in school, his name was Zainal Abidin, and she was building a career in the military. They got married and lived happily ever... Just kidding. That doesn't usually happen in our stories. Not long after the couple's marriage, Zainal was killed during a sea battle against the Portuguese. Kamalayati was widowed during the conflict and so were hundreds of other women. We can only speculate how a strong female figure like Kamalayati dealt with the loss. Did she grieve like everyone else or did she drown herself in work, so to speak? Either way, the Sultan of Aceh, Alaidin Riyayat Shah al-Mukamil, and sorry if I mispronounced some of these names, strengthened his military by building a powerful navy. Kamalayati proved herself a legendary commander during several battles with the Portuguese and the Dutch. To further combat the European colonizers, Kamalayati made a request to the Sultan to form her own army. He said okay. At first, she recruited about a thousand women whose husbands died in the battle against the Portuguese on Haru Sea. They all lived and trained in Fort Inongbale, along Kurunguraya Bay, overlooking the Indian Ocean, which also served as a military logistics center. With its strategic hill location approximately 100 meters above sea level, the fort had an unhindered view of all the ships coming into the port of Aceh Kingdom. 
The Inongbane army could therefore easily attack Portuguese and Dutch warships. Kamalayati definitely knew a thing or two about military strategy. Later, the widow's army was expanded by Kamalayati into about 2,000 soldiers, including young girls who wished to fight for Ache. So we return to the year 1599, where Cornelis de Houtman attacks the Sultan of Ache. If you look at the encyclopedia entry in the brothers, quote, they returned to Sumatra where Cornelis was killed in a battle against the forces of the Sultan of Ache. Unquote. A little anticlimactic, right? If you had no idea who Kumalhayati and the Inogbale were, you would have absolutely no idea how important this one sentence is to the history of Ache. So here's what that entry would look like, or sound like, if it were a little longer. Malhayati led her Inogbale army in response to the Dutch challenge and after several violent battles, killed Cornelis de Houtman on September 11, 1599. This success in battle earned Kamalayati the title of Laksamana, Admiral, the first woman in Nusantara to have this title. A quick break for a word from our sponsors. Synchronicity Events PH know how much each event means to our clients. Whether you're turning 18 or 60, or planning on walking down the aisle, we'll help you make everything flow smoothly so you can be worry-free on your special day. Drop us a line on Facebook at Sync Events PH. That's S-Y-N-C Events PH. Kumalayati's story didn't end when the Houtman died, of course. She stayed at the forefront of Acha's defense when further Dutch forces arrived. By the way, after Cornelis de Houtman was killed, his brother Friedrich was imprisoned by the Achenese. It seems like he spent a lot of time in prison. While being held, though, he compiled the first Dutch Achenese dictionary. So what was Kamalayati up to? Here's a story. In 1600, a flotilla led by Paulus van Serden sank an Achenese ship, stealing its stores of pepper. The following year, under Dutch Admiral Jacob Van Eck, an expedition presented itself in Banda Aceh as a merchant fleet intending to trade for pepper. Remember this guy? We met him two episodes ago. He was the one who wrote about the golden panels at Raja Hijau's palace. That's also something to remember here. Admiral Kamalayati was contemporaries with Raja Hijau of Patani. Number Raja Hijau had a good relationship with him and presented Van Eck with golden crisp. Kumalayati had his entire group arrested and jailed. I think she suspected right off the bat that Van Eck's pepper was the one actually stolen from the Achenese ship. The tactic worked. Back in the Netherlands, Prince Maurice of Orange Nassau didn't want to fight the Achenese or any other European powers in the area. He sent a group of four ships with a letter of apology addressed to the Sultan, proposing a peace treaty. After the Netherlands agreed to pay the Achenese 50,000 guilders for the losses of the seized pepper, the Sultan agreed and Friedrich de Houtman was freed. Three ambassadors were sent to the Netherlands to negotiate further three deals, one of whom was Kamalayati's deputy. In the 17th century, most of Kamalayati's work was diplomatic. For example, on June 6, 1902, a delegation led by naval officer James Lancaster arrived in Aceh with a letter from England's Queen Elizabeth I. 
Kamala Hayati handled the negotiations with Lancaster before he met with the Sultan. After he expressed to her a desire for friendly relations with the Acha Sultanate at the expense of their rivals, the Portuguese, Kamala Hayati asked that his proposals be put into writing before he was admitted to the Sultan's chambers. The result of these negotiations was a long history of English trade links to Aceh and North Sumatra generally. Once negotiations with the English ended, most of her attention was focused on issues of succession at the court of Aceh Sultanate. Like in our second episode, there were also problems of succession among the male rulers. In 1603, Sultan al-Mukamil designated his son as his successor, but the son betrayed his father and seized the throne for himself, taking the title of Sultan Aliriyayat Shah. When one of his rivals, his nephew Dharmawang Satun Pankat, attempted to resist this usurpation, he was arrested and imprisoned on the new sultan's orders. Kamalayati was among Dharmawangsa's backers, and when Portuguese troops under Alfonso de Castro attacked Aceh in 1606, she successfully petitioned Sultan Aliriyayat Shah for his release, arguing that a united front was necessary to fight the invaders. After the Portuguese had been defeated, Dharmawangsa, with Kamalahati's help, succeeded in deposing Sultan Ali and taking the throne for himself. He took the title of Sultan Iskandar Muda. That name is probably familiar to you. Under Iskandar Muda, the Sultanate achieved its greatest territorial extent and was the strongest power and wealthiest state in the western Indonesian archipelago and the Strait of Malacca. Its influence extended over much of Sumatra and peninsular Southeast Asia. It was the Aceh Sultanate's golden age, and Kamalayati was one of the kingmakers. As Sultan, Dalmawangsa would reign until 1636. At some point in his reign, though, Admiral Kamalayati was killed while fighting the Portuguese in a sea battle at Kramraya Bay. She was laid to rest on Bukit Kota Dalam, a hill about 21 miles from Banda Aceh. Komunayati's legacy has been widely recognized in Aceh province. Local hospitals, streets and roads, and educational institutions have been named for her, and school children are still taught her story. But according to the actor Tiukurufnu, who also hails from Aceh, Komunayati's name is largely unknown outside Indonesia's westernmost province. Quote, Komunayati's name is not in children's books or in serious literature in Indonesia. Google search reveals few details of her life, unquote. That's also what the Indonesian bank of Itbit told me when I reached out to them on Facebook Messenger. They were actually surprised that I knew about her. I guess their advocacy to make her name well known is why they agreed to let me play the song on the podcast. In November 2017, Indonesian President Joko Widodo presented a national heroine title to Kamalayati. Filmmaker Marcela Zalianti also published a children's comic book titled Kamalayati Lapsamana Prambuan Pertama, First Woman Admiral Kamalayati. Dramatizing her life for new generations, an Indonesian television series was produced. And if you've ever played the 2014 video game Destiny, Malayati was a character there, in the warmind category of figures concerned with military strategy. Admiral Kamalayati's tomb still stands today. You can go see it anytime. She is buried with her father and her husband. Near her grave, there is a large plaque made of heavy black stone. The inscription reads, Komalayati was a woman who commanded the Royal Achenese Navy. 
She was also the chief of the Royal Intelligence Department and Royal Protocol during the reign of Sultan Saidil Mukamin Alauddin Riyadh. As a Navy Admiral, she united many widows to be a Navy to attack the Portuguese and built the Pantanginong Valley, which meant the Fortress of the Widows. Producing a podcast like this takes a lot of time and research. If you like what we do and want to support the next episodes, head on over to our Patreon. Give as little as $1 to get a copy of the show notes with all the references, access to the close friends' Instagram stories, and a shout-out at the end of the next episode. And if you can't, just tell your friends about this podcast. That works too. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HerStoryCPod. That's HerStorySEAPod. The next episode is a surprise. Stay tuned. There are so many more stories to tell, and we're just getting started. This podcast was written, hosted, and edited by Agus Ramirez. Special thanks to Karen Nando for supporting this podcast on Patreon, Ihin Mitsu for the opening and closing theme, and once again Kubit Pit for letting us play their song Malahayati. Sampai jumpa lagi!